The following audio has been brought to you by Word of Grace Community Church. For more information about Word of Grace, visit wogcc.com. Man, I am so excited to get to share the Word of God with you every week. And let me tell you, today I believe that God has something special for you. So I pray that you came here today expecting God to do something special in your life, to show you maybe what you need to inspire you, to challenge you, whatever the case may be. God is going to do that. If he's not already begun working on your heart, my prayer is is that now you would be even more open to receive what God has for you because we're going to talk today about stepping out of some things to step into some other things, just a two-part series that uh, we've been in. And last week we kicked that off, and today we're wrapping it up. And the title of my message for those of you who are note-takers is Stepping Out of Fear and Into Purpose. You know, the biggest hurdle to stepping out into purpose is this hurdle that we call fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of repeated pain happening again. And so because of that fear, I will stay away or I will just stay where I feel comfortable or safe. But for us to be able to step into our why, to step into our purpose, we have to step out of fear. The good news is that you don't have to stay in fear. The good news is that you don't have to stay trapped. The good news is that there is hope that you can move forward from today. And my hope is that you would be inspired to take action and that you would experience freedom and a renewed sense of purpose today. So before we get into the word, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be able to open your word together as a church body. We thank you for this opportunity to be able to hear your word spoken and received freely here, to be able to receive, Lord, the way that your Holy Spirit intends for us to receive it, so it'll have the impact that you desire that will bring you the most glory and bring forth fruit in each individual's life and in this church. And we ask you, God, to do what only you can do in the hearts and minds of people. In Jesus' name, amen. John 14 and 27, Jesus says this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you, and let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I want us to really look at one section of this scripture. Because Jesus says something very significant here. Not only does he say, hey, I'm leaving my peace with you, but he differentiates the kind of peace that he's going to leave. He says this is going to be a different kind of peace. It's not a peace like the world gives. It's not what you have perhaps been chasing after or what you have defined or what someone else has defined for you as peace. Instead, this is my peace that I give to you, not as the world gives. And then he goes on to say, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let your heart be afraid. See, the world has this version of peace, and this version of peace is the security that's created by things that you can control. Last week, we talked about stepping out of control and stepping into trust. And where this worldly peace comes from is when I feel that I can control people, situations, relationships, different things in my life. And people are constantly searching for some sort of peace, whether that be a certain number in your bank account. Maybe that's attached to that peace that the world gives. And so you only feel as secure as you can control your finances. If something happens to disrupt your finances, say your hot water heater breaks, 
and it takes you down below the number that gives you peace in your savings account or in your checking account, all of a sudden your peace has vanished because you've been hoping that you would have peace by knowing you had a certain amount of money and now that money's gone. So what do I do now? Or maybe your peace that the world gives has come through your position at the company that you work for and you feel pretty secure in your job but then there's rumors of layoffs and all of a sudden the peace that you had that the world gives gets disrupted and you're wondering what's going to happen and you have some sleepless nights and a lot of water cooler conversations maybe there's something else happening in relationships that are key in your life whether that's relationship with your parents relationship with your children, relationship with your spouse. And your peace is only contingent upon the fact that those relationships are going the way that you think they should go. And then all of a sudden, there's some problems and the peace is not around. Jesus said, listen, the world has that kind of peace, the kind of peace that comes from or that is a result of the things that you can control, the things that you think that you have the power to do something about. He said, but that's not what I'm giving you. He said, I'm giving you my peace. The peace that comes from trusting in me. And it's not the same. So in other words, the peace I'm giving you is actually probably going to not be something you can necessarily control, but rather it's trusting in Christ when things happen that you can't control and you're looking for some sort of peace. And Jesus says, I'm here. I give you my peace because it's who he is. You see, the disciples were afraid. This is, this is one of the last things Jesus said before he left the earth. And the disciples were afraid, man, what are we going to do without Jesus? We feel a certain sense of peace knowing that he's here, knowing that if we have a problem, yo, Jesus will solve it, right? And we can go and talk to Jesus and he will actually, you know, tell us what to do. And there were a few times where he bailed us out. There was one time where the disciples tried to go and cast a demon out of somebody, and it wasn't working, and they tried everything they knew to do. And Jesus walks right up and says, you need to go, boom, the demon was gone, and they were like, how did you do that? Jesus has to give them a parable or give them a pep talk, you know. There was another time where the disciples were in a boat, and Jesus took a nap, and all of a sudden there was a big storm that came about, and the disciples started panicking. We can't control this storm. They wake Jesus up. Jesus was there. Jesus, wake up. And Jesus said, peace be still. All right, let's have a conversation about this. There was another time where this guy named Peter was called out of the boat to walk on the water. And he said, Peter, come here. He steps out. And as long as he could keep his eyes on Jesus, he stayed afloat. But then he started looking at all the stuff around him and things that he couldn't control. And how is this happening? He began to sink. But Jesus was there. He picked him back up. But now Jesus is leaving. Jesus is going away, and they're wondering, what's next? What's going to happen now? Because now Jesus isn't going to be here like he was in a way that I feel that when things are out of my control that I can just say, hey, Jesus, why don't you bail me out here? He said, listen, there's a, there's a peace that the world gives. There's a peace when you depend on yourself that you can get, and it's only a temporary thing because something is going to happen to disrupt that peace. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. But the thing is, is that Jesus said, that's not what I'm giving you. I'm giving you my peace. This is the same thing we do, though. Same thing that the disciples were struggling with in this moment, and Jesus knew that, and he spoke to that. 
We still struggle with this exact same thing, folks. This is the same thing we do when we feel great in church, but then when we leave church and we get back into what we call the real world and we have to go to work the next day or we have to go back to that situation in the home or get back in the car with those people, <laughs> don't look at anybody. But the thing is, is we do this exact same thing. We'll even make commitments to God in church where we'll be in an environment like this and we'll be very stirred and we'll feel very confident in God. And we're hearing the message and we're getting stirred or we're a part of a great worship experience where something is stirring in our heart. And the next thing you know, we're all ready to make a commitment. Yes, Jesus, I'll do whatever you want. Send me wherever you want. I'll do whatever you want. I'm going to go talk to that coworker about my faith, or I'm going to go pray for that person or forgive that person or whatever I felt led and moved to do. But then when I get outside of the, the comfort and the safety of being around my church family, eh, it, it'll probably work out. Eh, you know, I'll, I don't really have to say anything, you know. I mean, actions speak louder than words. Um, so, uh, and we begin to justify, and we begin to rationalize and try to actually talk ourselves out of doing what we felt God speaking to us to do. Because now we've stepped out of something. And let me show you this. I want you to catch this this morning. When we're in that environment, we're fully trusting God. But when we're out of that environment, we begin to trust in ourselves. Are you seeing this? So when, when we're in that environment, we get all jazzed up and all pumped up and all ready to go trust God and do what he's called us to do. But when we get out of that environment, all of a sudden, it's not the peace that Jesus gives to us anymore. It's the peace and the things we feel we can control. And then all of a sudden, we're faced with the reality of actually doing what we felt that the Lord was calling us to do. The, th the things we felt led, the things we felt inspired to do, now all of a sudden, we're questioning them because... I actually have to do it. I actually am going to have to wake up earlier and pray, or I'm actually going to have to reorganize my time to be able to make sure I prioritize the right relationships, or I'm actually going to have to have that hard conversation with that person that I'm offended at, or whatever the case may be. Or, and all of a sudden, then, man, I just don't want to do that. And we don't have peace because we step out of trusting God and trusting ourselves. And the reason we don't have peace in those circumstances and the reason oftentimes we don't follow through is because we don't know what's going to happen. The outcome's not predictable. And we want to step back into control. And when we step back into control, that's when we get all anxious and worried and fearful. And we repeat this process over and over and over again. And Jesus said, that's the kind of peace that the world has. It's different than the peace that I'm giving to you. The peace that I'm giving to you is not like the peace that the world can give because Jesus' peace is grounded in purpose. Jesus' peace is grounded in not just what to do, not just how to do it, but rather why we're doing it. The purpose is what grounds us because Jesus' peace is grounded in purpose. The purpose that Jesus gave his disciples before he left was supposed to be something that would ground them to be able to trust Him and to be able to have the peace that only He can give. You see, Jesus promised them the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, don't worry, even though I'm going away, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to be able to comfort you, to be able to help you, that's going to be able to empower you to be witnesses of me 
And he's not going to speak on his own authority, but Jesus said rather he's going to say things directly given to him by the Father, and it's going to glorify me, and it's going to glorify the Father in heaven. And he said, you're not going to be alone. I'm never truly without you. I'm, I'm, I'm with you always, even to the end of the earth, even though you may not be able to see me. I'm empowering you to go do this, and I'm giving you a why. I'm giving you a purpose. You see, Jesus promised his second coming. Jesus told them that they would be spreading the gospel and that there would be a promise of a reunion in heaven because he was trying to get them to trust in him, to be able to have their confidence built in him because it's so easy to step out into trusting yourself. And he knew that. So he's trying to say, guys, stay grounded in the peace that only Jesus can give not like the world's peace. You see, when we understand why we do what we do, when we understand that purpose, then it awakens something in us. It awakens courage that empowers us to be able to step out of fear and step in to trust and into faith and into purpose and into our why. It's something that stirs us to action because I don't want us as Christians and I don't want this local church body to keep going through this cycle of making courageous commitments to God but never following through with them. Amen, somebody? And you don't want to be that way because it hinders our growth. But the thing that stifles us often is a disconnection because we want to trust in ourselves. I want us to have the courage and the confidence to be able to trust God, to be able to navigate this life with peace. That doesn't mean I'm going to always feel like everything is going to be fine, but it's more of a knowing that I can trust Christ. Not necessarily a feeling that everything is going to work out the way I want it to, because that's me stepping back into my own control, but rather it's a knowing that if He's for me, then who can be against me? that whatever may come against me, that I have Jesus and that Jesus is enough so that I can brave and weather anything that, that life may want to throw at me, that the enemy may want to use to discourage me, that the, the devil may want to use to distract me and try to knock me out of this race. But instead I say, no, I'm going to keep pressing forward because my why is greater than my challenge. Oh, I need to say that again because somebody needs to get that. You need to get that on the inside of you this morning. I may need a sweat rag or something up here because I'm about to start preaching. Your why needs to be greater than your challenge. Your why needs to be greater than the mountain that you're facing. Because Jesus said, I'm giving you something different. I'm not giving you a peace that's based on your emotional state and your ability to be able to control the environment around you. No, he said, I'm giving you my peace. That's supposed to stir and, and, and help to grow our confidence and our dependence and our trust in him. Because when those challenges come, when discouragement comes, when depression wants to set in, when fear wants to come and knock, that all of a sudden something is stirred in you that keeps you moving forward and helps you to pick yourself back up even when you fall down, even when you fail, even when you make mistakes, even when it may all be your fault, you keep moving forward because you know that this is not the end because my why is greater than my challenge. Because I have the peace of Christ in me. And it's not a peace like the world gives. Amen, somebody. You see, when we understand why we do what we do, it helps me to have the courage that I need, the courage that I need to keep moving forward. I heard this great story the other day about 
three stonemasons that were all three doing the exact same job, and these three stonemasons were building a medieval cathedral. And these three stonemasons were busy at work, all three cutting stone and, and doing their job, and a visitor comes by. And the visitor stops by the first stonemason, and he said, what are you doing? And he said, oh, I'm cutting stone. You know, it's a hard job. It's not the most rewarding job, but, you know, it puts food on the table, and I'm cutting these stone, and, and here's how I'm doing it. Uh, let me show you how I cut the stone, and I don't know if I'm ever going to be finished cutting stone because it feels like I've been doing this forever, but, you know, it's, it's taking care of my family, so that's, that's what I'm doing. The visitor goes to the next gentleman, and he says, what are you doing? And he said, oh, I'm building a church. I'm very excited about being able to build this cathedral. You know, it's, it's really great. Um, here's how we're doing it. And, and you know, it's going to be this tall, and it's going to have this many rooms, and the, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be gorgeous on the inside. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. And uh, it, it's, it's just going to be a great place, and we're going to be able to step back and look at it and be really proud of our handiwork, and this, that's what I'm doing. And then the visitor goes to the third man, and he says, Sir, what are you doing? And he said, I'm building the house of God. He said, I am working to build a place where people are going to have their lives changed and they're going to meet God. Now you tell me which one of those three would show up to work early. Which one would stay late? Which one is going to really, truly give their best and work their hardest? Which one, when they get discouraged and they want to quit, is going to keep on pushing through and keep going? You see, the difference is the man who knew why he was doing what he was doing. The first one knew how he was doing it. The second one knew what he was doing, and he was even excited about it. But the third man knew his why. And that's where we have to start to be able to step out of fear and into purpose. We have to start with why. We have to start with why. Most people don't do this. Most of us don't do this in our lives. We don't do this with God. We start with how and what like the other two stonemasons. But for us to really step out of fear and into purpose, we need to start with why, and that's what Jesus is trying to help us to understand. That's why he gave the disciples the Great Commission. He was trying to stir in them why they do what they do. He was trying to stir in them purpose and passion, and he was trying to stir within them the reason why, because Jesus knew persecution was going to come. He made new bones about that. He didn't say, oh, I forgot to tell you, Oh, sorry about that. I forgot this whole persecuting the church martyrdom thing. No, he told them. He said, you're going to die. <laughs> People are going to hate you. And the reason they're going to hate you is because you follow me. And that's what Jesus told these guys. Matter of fact, one guy said, Jesus, what's it going to take to follow you? He said, you know what? Uh, you need to go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor and then take up your cross and come follow me. Guy couldn't hack it because the why was not greater. The why wasn't the thing that was able to help him to step out of that fear because his security was the stuff. The Bible says he went away sad because he had many possessions. But for us to step out of fear and into faith, we have to start with why. So how and what are important, but they're revealed as you move forward with why. So let me ask you this question this morning. Why are you serving God? Why do you come to church? Why do you call yourself a Christ follower. Most people focus on how to do this. They want to start with how. 
They want to start with the how and the what. And they want to say, well, uh, how do I pray? What do I say? How do I know I'm a Christian? What do I have to do? What do I have to check off of the list? What's on the list so I can make sure that I'm getting the right checks in the right places? Uh, you know, I want to be sure I'm doing enough good deeds. I want to be sure that I'm making enough good decisions. So teach me how to do that. And people just want to focus on how. And they want to get so wrapped up in how. And they want to get so focused on what to do and how to do it that they forget why. I love church traditions, and I look back, and I think the way, you know, I was raised, there were certain traditions that we were a part of, and I'm sure that if you were raised in a church environment, that there were certain traditions that you followed, and I really honestly believe that the majority of those traditions, when someone first started doing them, it was awesome, because there was a why behind it, but over the years, we lost sight of why. And we focused on what and how. And we tried to perfect what and how because that was something that we could control. And it gave us a sense of peace in the fact that we knew how to do it and what to do. But it's really a false sense of peace because it's based on our own performance and what we could do instead of trusting and putting our full dependence on Christ and what He did and really understanding the why. I believe that most churches that are rooted and grounded in tradition, there are people there that definitely still hold true to why they do what they do. And so I'm not trying to speak ill of those types of churches because I don't care how old your church is, whether it's 100 years old or whether it's five years old, you've got tradition. It may look a little different, it may sound a little different, but you've got tradition. So when people say, are you a traditional church? I'm like, I know what you mean when you say that, but we're all traditional churches. <laughs> you got to church here at 845 and we started worship. And that's kind of our tradition. <laughs> We have communion on the first uh, Sunday of every month. That's a tradition. We just haven't been doing it very long. Word of grace, 200 years from now, people are going to be going, yeah, we've, this is our tradition, right? So the thing is, is that we all have traditions. It's just, do we know why we do those things? Because in the process, some people begin to worship the tradition rather than understanding why the tradition was started in the first place. Why do we always do what we do, Right? Why? That's the key. The thing is, folks, is that if we lose sight of the why and we just glorify the what and the how, we become an ineffective, lost group of people that's secure in our own ability to maintain the what and how. If we lose sight of the why. So I, wanna, I really want... And I don't want you to give me a Sunday school answer, and I don't want you to speak out loud or anything. I'm, this is more reflective for your, for your own personal growth. Why did you show up today? Why did you come to church today? Huh, I didn't even think about that. Why do you call yourself a Christ follower? That's where you have to start. We have to start with why. The how and the what are revealed as you move forward but we got to start with why. Not just, I know I need to forgive because that's what I'm supposed to do. Not that I need to be able to be generous with my time, talent, and treasure because that's what God expects or the church expects or what I'm supposed to do. Not, oh, I need to serve. I need to give uh, you know, some of my time to be able to volunteer and help out with this or that. It's not something that I need to do to answer a what. It's something I'm inspired to do to answer a why. 
That's where we've got to make this transition to step out of fear and into faith. There's freedom when you discover why. There's peace. There's so much fulfillment. There's so much joy when you discover why. There's so much courage that begins to get stirred up in us when we discovered why. And it helps us to be able to step out of fear and into faith. Courage comes from confidence in God. That's really where courage comes from to help us to transition out of fear and into purpose. Go over to Joshua chapter 1. Is this helping anybody today? Joshua chapter 1. Now remember Joshua was the successor to Moses. Moses who had led the entire group of the children of Israel who had been Hebrew slaves for over 400 years, led them out of the land of Egypt. Moses died. Joshua was second in command. And Joshua is now in leadership. And Joshua's really questioning this thing because Moses is kind of a hard act to follow. Moses was a guy that really had a lot of confidence in God. Moses made his mistake, sure. But Moses is seen as a very good, solid, great leader that we look back on in Scripture and we go, wow, Moses really understood some things and he really trusted God. We see Moses' flaws, but we see the parting of the Red Sea. We see how he continued to move forward and, and spend that time with God and receiving the Ten Commandments. We see the manna coming from heaven and how Moses continually just led these people. And now here's Joshua. And now it's your turn, buddy. And Joshua is a little intimidated. And Joshua is a little afraid because he's trying to assess his own skill set. He's trying to assess his own ability. Now, Moses told me, you know, I need to say this and I need to do this this way. I need to make sure I get all the, all the what and the, all, the, all, all the hows down. And, and again, the what and the hows are important, but here's Joshua kind of wrestling with the what and the how. And then God sends an angel to confront him when he was really freaking out over this because he's thinking, if this thing fails, it's going to be because of me. So what is Joshua doing? Same thing we do. He's putting his hope and his faith and his trust in his ability. And God comes and confronts him by sending the angel of the Lord in Joshua chapter 1. And let's pick this up in verse 8. And let's see what the angel says to Joshua. He said, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Let's stop right there. So obviously Joshua is wondering, how do I, how do I grow to be successful at this leadership thing? How do I step out into successful leadership like Moses? I, I want to make sure that, you know, I set everyone up to succeed, that we're prosperous as a group and we're successful. And he's wanting to know, how do I do this? And the angel of the Lord says, listen, you need to make sure the book of the law does not depart from your mouth and in your mind. You need to read it. You need to speak it. You need to meditate on it because then it's going to set you up for success and make your way prosperous. Verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Something very interesting here that the angel told Joshua is that were you not commanded to be strong and courageous. This was not a pep talk. This was a reminder of a command 
that was given by God. This wasn't a motivational speech by the angel of the Lord. This was rather not a suggestion of encouragement, but a command. He was instructed, listen, keep the law of God close to your heart. Keep it in your mind. Meditate on it day and night and remind yourself of the faithfulness of God. Remind yourself of who God is because he's the one that's directing this journey, okay? Not you. That's really what he's reminding Joshua. As a pastor, I have to remind myself of that quite often. Listen, this isn't contingent upon you, buddy. You're not the one steering the ship. It's me, all right? And I have to make sure I put my dependence when I seek direction for God for our church that I'm not depending on my own savvy, my own ability, but rather that I'm truly trusting God. Because it's easy to sink back and go, oh man, you know what? What am I going to do about this? Oh, I gotta, maybe I can do this and this and this. And I'm trying to figure all these things out. But if I lose sight of why, if I lose sight of that purpose, I'll slip right back into fear and control. But Jesus said, my peace I give to you. And it's not the kind of peace that the world gives. The angel of the Lord here is saying, listen, think on the scripture because it's going to remind you that God's faithful. It's going to remind you, as, as he would have had access to just what we would call the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, he would have access to be able to meditate on the law that Moses wrote and some of the stories about Abraham and God's faithfulness to Abraham and how Abraham was called a friend of God. And, and he would have been able to go back and meditate and, and think on and see how God did so many amazing things throughout the life uh, of all of these different individuals that were impacted by their faith and trust in God, whether it be Joseph who was disregarded and ostracized by his brothers and sold into slavery and how God moved in his life, or whether he saw how God was faithful over and over to Abraham and Sarah as they were on their journey and how they had to trust God. He would have had access to that and would have been able to read that, and the purpose of it would have been to stir his faith, that the same God that is leading Abraham, the same God that led Isaac, the same God that led Jacob, is the same God that's calling you to lead these people. And it's Him that's paving the way for you. You just need to make sure you remind yourself. It's not about your ability to control. It's not about your ability to do. It's not about the what and the how. That's going to be revealed and come. But you need to trust and you need to know why you're doing what you're doing. And he said, be strong and be courageous. Fear wants to paralyze you. Fear wants to paralyze you and keep your gift and your callings unused. Your gifts and your callings were given for the glory of God. They were given for the glory of God. Every one of you in this room has a gift and has a calling. That God has a purpose for your life. You are not just here to suck air and try to save a bunch of money and have a bunch of stuff and a bunch of experiences. You have a purpose that is greater than any of those things. Th those may be things that are definitely vehicles to help you accomplish your purpose, to accomplish your why. But God has uniquely called you and gifted you. And no one in this room is more significant or special or gifted than the other person. We are all children of God who have all been called by God. You are here for divine appointment today. You were here because God knew you needed to hear this today 
You needed your fire stoked today. Hello, somebody. You needed to be reminded. You needed that fear that's been leading you to be finally shook up to the place where you could see hope beyond fear controlling your life. Maybe some of you were brought here today because God knew that you needed to be stirred and challenged in a place to be able to actually repent to God and say, Lord, I give up. I'm, I'm tired of trying to control everything. I need to learn to depend on you and trust you. That's where that courage and that confidence come from. But fear, man, it's wanting to paralyze you. It's wanting to keep your gifts and callings unused for the glory of God. Fear wants you to doubt because fear wants you to depend on you. And then here's the other thing that the devil does. Not only does he want to keep you trapped and paralyzed in fear, so you'll depend on yourself. But then when you depend on yourself and you reap the reward of depending on yourself, he wants to go, man, you're, you're such a goofball. You made huge mistakes. You know, you, you don't deserve a second chance or a third chance or a fourth chance. How many chances is it, is it for you by now? And he comes and whispers all that stuff to you. After he's gotten you to trust in yourself and then he takes it further and it's a trap and it's a cycle and people get stuck in it and I want you to be free and God wants you to be free today faith depends on God courage is a result of strengthening our confidence in who God is because he begins to strengthen and stir our why he becomes our why he becomes our reason he stirs us up to action where fear no longer controls us because we're no longer relying on ourselves, but we're relying on God who is faithful, who is mighty, who is with us, who is for us. I want to read one more section of Scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. I want you to see this on the screen this morning. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, Why I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God which is in you by the putting on of my hands. Paul's encouraging Timothy here. He says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not you therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be you partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But it's now being made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and who has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. I want you to see something here in Scripture. Timothy is a young minister that is struggling with intimidation and fear and doubt and wanting him, himself to, 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 to be uh, in this position where he's respected or, or where people view him a certain way. And all of a sudden, he, he's running into some opposition from some elders, some people that are older, some people that are in authority and leadership. And he's asking Paul what to do about it. And Paul's response to him is not what to do. But rather, Paul was reminding him of his own personal why. 
and his own personal confidence in God. Do you see what Paul just did here? Do you see how Paul just beautifully orated to Timothy this why, this purpose, this reason? He says, listen, Timothy, I am an apostle, and I am called by God. And he has, he has even though I'm a prisoner, even though right now I can't physically get to you to help you, I'm reminding you of my why, and I'm hoping that it inspires something on the inside of you. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He said, even though I am a prisoner, he said, even though I am struggling, he said, I am a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. He has saved us. He has called us with a holy calling. I'm appointed a preacher, he says, for this cause. This is why I suffer these things. Isn't that interesting that here's Paul writing to Timothy to encourage him, and Paul talks about his own sufferings. That's really an odd method of encouragement, to write him while he's suffering to talk about his own sufferings. He said, but I've, I've found my why. You see, it's not the fact that these people are not respecting you or these people are giving you a, a hard time. He said, even maybe because of your age, because he later on goes on to say, don't let anyone despise you because you're youth. But he's trying to say, hey, your why has to be greater than that because this may be the challenge you're facing now, and I understand, but there will be another challenge not too far down the road. And instead of just teaching you how to deal with this one challenge, I want to teach you to deepen your faith and your hope and your trust in God and remind yourself of why it is you do what you do. Because your why is going to keep you going through those times. He said, this fear stuff, Tim, that you're dealing with, he said, listen, it doesn't come from God. He said, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. This intimidation stuff, this isn't God's doing. These people that are trying to get you to cower down and give in to their demands or these people that have unreasonable expectations of you, this, this is not God's doing because God is not an intimidator. He's not giving you a spirit of fear. That doesn't come from God. But God gives you a spirit of love to be able to love these people who may be intimidating you because you're called to serve them. And he's reminding him of why. And God has given you power to be able to navigate these waters and endurance and strength and stamina. And he's given you a sound mind so you can think clearly, even in the middle of all of this junk, all the obstructions that you're facing, that you can think clearly and rationally to make good decisions and not emotionally charged decisions. God hasn't given you this fear. He's given you a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. And let me remind you, I am a prisoner. Let me remind you, I am an apostle. And let me remind you, it's because of Jesus that I gladly and willingly suffer these things. And the thing that you're suffering, you need to discover your why too. The thing you're struggling with, you need to find your why too. Because otherwise, you're going to slip back into fear and control and isolation and the enemy gets to win. I say, let's stop letting him win. Amen. Only five people believe that. I say we stop letting him win. Paul understood his why. He wanted Timothy to understand his why. And God wants you this morning to understand your why. Listen to me. You may have been hurt. You may have been disappointed. But it's time to step out of fear and into purpose. You may be sitting on your gifts because you were burned out or abused or taken advantage of. It's time to rekindle your why and step out of that fear and step into purpose. 
The enemy has been lying to you about your worth. The enemy has been lying to you about your worth. It's time for you to step out of fear. What if you are rejected? What if you step out and you get rejected? Well, it's time to step out of fear. What if people don't meet your expectations? What if they don't do what you want them to do? What if they don't respond the way you want them to respond? What are you going to do? What if? What if? What if? What if? All these things we can't control. But what did God say? And why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why, why, why are you here? Why did you show up to church today? Why do you call yourself a Christ follower? Paul understood this. And he understood that, listen, Timothy, you're going to face things. You're going to be let down. People are going to discourage you, disappoint you. And sometimes it'll be your fault. Sometimes it won't. But regardless, you need to remember why. Because it's not about you. Joshua, you need to be strong and courageous. This is a command that you were given. You need to meditate on the law. You need to make sure it stays in your heart and in front of you and keeps you going and reminding you and deepening your trust in the faithfulness of God. Jesus said, the world has a version of peace, but that's not what I give. I give my peace to you because in this world you're going to have trouble, but, but I'm going to be with you and I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. You can, you can trust me. You can step out and, and depend on me. The stonemason said, I'm building the house of God. Why do you do what you do? Why needs to drive our how and our what and set us free from fear? Set us free from this junk that the enemy wants to keep us bound in. And it's time for you to step out of fear. It's time for you to step in to purpose. So what does that look like for you? What has God been speaking to your heart about? What is the thing that maybe you were challenged with? that it's time for you to re-engage, but fear has kept you from engaging. What's the conversation you need to have with that loved one, but fear has kept you from having it? What is the thing that's been holding you back from talking to that coworker, and you know that it's time, and it's time to be strong and courageous? What is the thing that God's been speaking in your heart, maybe even to be a part of and do here, a word of grace, but fear, uncertainty, I've been burned before, been disappointed before. Whatever God's speaking to your heart, it's time to step out of fear and purpose. And I pray that today that God leads you and guides you in your next step as you continually uncover and discover and grow in why. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Word of Grace. For more sermons or any other information, visit WOGCC.com.